either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Definitely peak horror movie season right now, and for sure we've got a few of those to talk about, but some non-horror as well, both for streaming and for the big screen. So let's dig in. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And of course, we're going to start out with two girls disappearing into the woods and returning three days later with no memory of what happened to them. Uh, then the father of one girl seeks out Chris McNeil, who's been forever altered by what happened to her daughter 50 years ago. This is the Exorcist Believer. <laughs> girls went they brought something back with them the body and the blood of jesus christ catherine the body and the blood the body and the blood the body and the blood catherine the body and the blood the body and the blood have you ever seen anything like this me? no but there are people out there who have You have some experience with possession. Yes, more than I'd like. Don't be scared. We've met before. Mother. Well, last I looked, this was getting absolutely lambasted. Uh, by most of the national reviews. And it really seems to me like it's a case of just piling on right now where this happens every now and then, uh, where people just feel like, oh, I can be even meaner than that. Th this movie is not that bad. It's certainly not great, but it's not that bad. No. So if you if you just sort of peel that away and just what we think about the movie, it has a handful of very effective scares. I think the biggest problem, though there are a number, the biggest problem with this movie, to me is that they don't sustain that tension. They immediately break away and talk. Yeah. They talk and talk and talk and talk. Each of the and characters... And explain and explain and And there's so yeah. much speechifying... There is. Uh, ...that it just sucks the frightening out of the film. Yeah, but there are some good things. This is David Gordon Green. He's directing, he's co-writing, and, and he's the same guy, if you didn't know, who just got done revisiting the Halloween franchise mm -hmm. with his trilogy. So now this is a planned trilogy as well. And if you remember, we and a lot of people were very excited about the first of his Halloween movies. It was solid. It was. It gave was very us, good. Gave yeah, us a, a lot, lot of, of optimism. Mm -hmm. And then the second two, oh. Yeah, bad. Not, not good. No. Uh, so so this one is, well, first of all, I do give him credit for the cojones for going into both of these franchises. I mean, Halloween, iconic, but especially The Exorcist, because it's it's held up as one of the all-time greatest Horror films and deservedly so. Actually, I think you know. I think if there, if you were to take a poll globally, it would come out on top. Probably. I think it's generally considered the best and it's horror just film great. ever made. It's it just is. great, and for so many reasons. So, very you know ambitious to go in to that sort of bar to try to meet. And there's no way he can. There's no way. Every time we're going to talk about this movie, say, well, it's not as good. Of course, it's not. No. Nothing in there in no. here is going to be. But if you remember. As you pointed out, except for part two, all of the uh, sequels in the Exorcist franchise have been pretty decent. Yeah, there is a total of five prior to this one. Which I think m not everybody knows that. A lot of people are not aware of that. And, of course, the first one is a masterpiece. The second one, The Heretic, terrible. Can't be fun yep. if you want to waste some time. 
but a waste of some epic talent, really. Yeah. yeah. The third one is a great movie, a great movie. And it's movie. actually, if you don't remember, it's actually directed by William Peter yeah. Blatty, yeah. the author of the original novel. And, and four and five are good. Yeah, and that part three manages to, to pull out two iconic scares oh, yeah. that, that still register to this day. Now, there's nothing in this movie that will probably do that. We'll no. probably still bring chills 20 years down the line. But I'll just bring that up to say that even though you're up against an incredible original, you can manage your own type of, of frights and own types of scares that will stand the test of time. This doesn't really do that, but that's not to say there aren't some effective things here. There are. And Leslie Odom Jr. is, yeah. is very good. In he, fact, the cast really down the line is solid. Yes. And he's, he's extremely good. He's very good. He's really the main character. He's the father of one of the girls. The two girls are best friends. They go off this walk in the woods. They come. They are found uh, three days later, and they're very, very different people. So you've got uh, Leslie Odom Jr.'s character, Victor. He's a. There's been tragedy in the past, and he's a. He's a skeptic. He's a non-believer. Let's say. And the parents of the other girl, they're Bible thumpers. Mm-hmm. And they, that's a, a nice contrast. A thread that's really explored right to the end, and. As it as it goes on, their behavior is more unexplainable and more blasphemous. So his neighbor, played by the always great Ann Dowd, always great, who's also a nurse of the hospital where they bring the girls in, she recommends contacting Chris McNeil, Ellen Burstyn, who in the last fifty years has become an author, well known on the talk show circuit, talking about exorcisms and talking about what happened to Reg and her daughter all those years ago. So that's why she's a name in this area. So they bring her in. It's nice to see her again. Ellen Burstyn, 90 years old. Great. Mm -hmm. Revisit the character. All that is rushed, especially when you think about the original. I know we just said that's unfair, but it was such a slow burn in the original. You you cared. There were time to really get into these characters and feel the burden of what their their children were going through, or, or the one child in the original's case was going through. When it finally got down to it, everything here seems rushed. Their diagnoses, the uh, the decision to seek out Ellen Burstyn and a quote unquote exorcism, um, and and really getting everyone to agree on Chris McNeil's reputation. It's that's all just seems very rushed to get to it. Once it does get to it, there certainly are creepy moments. The girls' makeup is fine. The demonic voices, fine. Again, nothing to the order of the first one, but that's you know kind of unfair. It was so great. But it certainly fits the bill. All that fits the bill. There are some fine, scary moments, a good mood. The, uh, the performances that we said are good. But, yeah, it, it just shoots itself in the foot by going back with too much exposition and neutering any sort of sustained frights that it might have. Yeah, I don't think it does a, a very good job of developing the mythology like the that is specific to this episode. But one of the things you said, you know, it's not as good as the first one. Here's the thing about when he revisited Halloween, the, the his first Halloween revisit, is that you didn't really have to compare it to the first one because it furthered their story, right? It was a, it was a direct sequel. It furthered their story. This one, you know, you have to... I think one of the problems with this movie is that you have to ask, why? Like, what is the point? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, when a movie isn't as good as the original, and in this case, again, it would be impossible. But the third one that you brought up, I, I see a reason to watch it. You know, it furthers that story, but it takes it in a crazy, wild direction, and it and it fills the screen with images that jump out at you and stick with you. 
So I think I think one of the problems with this film is that you finish it and go, Ugh, whatever. Yeah. yeah, and it brings in one of those final speeches, uh, a, a bow tying wrap mm-hmm. up. It's through Anne Dowd. She all of a sudden just asks for no reason this question, yeah. and then answers it with her her feelings about a matter that that tie things up. Oh no, I really hated to see that. And there was a nice. A nice sort of twist at the end. The, yeah. the de- if you remember the demon, this demon plays on fear and mm-hmm. shame, mm-hmm. just like they did in the first the first one. And so a secret comes out that nobody realized, the audience doesn't realize. That's effective. The the push and pull between the non-believer and the Bible thumpers comes to a very important head yeah. when, when uh, something happens. So all that, okay, fine. Also... You know, we were both impressed. We think that they beat it to death a bit, but we were both impressed by the fact that this is not a, a Catholic movie. Mm-hmm. And we're both, you know, especially if you watch a lot of possession movies, tired of it all. Because you know what? Catholics, um, you know, the Catholic Church doesn't have the market yes. on I did expelling that. demons. I did and they really that. bring in a lot of different perspectives. So it isn't a specifically Catholic, which is, uh, this is not to like, it's just we're tired of it. <laughs> Show us something no, else. And so, good, yeah. It's a good, uh, it was a good idea. A good idea to explore because one of the girls here is African-American. So there's other cultures brought in and it's pointed out that, yeah, Catholicism does not have a monopoly on well, ex- the truth exorcisms is, or expelling demons. Neither of the girls is Catholic. Right. Yeah. A- and, and, and through other characters, they make it known that they're looking for religion and worship when it gets back to people, mm-hmm. when it gets to back to a community of people mm-hmm. and not a tribal type, a, a tribal state of mind for my religion versus your right, religion. Right, right. It's a gr- so, yes, I did appreciate yeah. that. And I don't think it was too heavy handed. I also appreciated the there were multiple. Well, right from the opening frame, there are multiple callbacks to the original from 1973. I think they're pretty well done. They're not over overdone. I think no. they're 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 fine. So there are some positives here. There really are. I don't think it's a terrible, terrible film for some of the people no, that are just burying mediocre. it. It's solidly mediocre. And it's also very curious in the end about where it's going to go next. Yeah. Um, very interesting. And that, I think, is going to do a lot to answer your question about why. Maybe we'll get a better reason in part two about why he rebooted, I guess, or revisited this entire franchise. So it's going to be interesting because there's no real... First of all, there's no stinger. You don't need to wait till the end of the credits. There's nothing there. But there's no real opening about, oh, this is where they're going to go next time. No. Although you you definitely have. The last scene in the film is what I think maybe a lot of people would have stuck at the end as a stinger. So, so um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe but, so. But still, it's it felt more like a tying of a bow than an mm-hmm. introduction to the exactly. next possible exactly. episode. So we'll see. The next one is already called Deceiver, and that's scheduled to be out in uh, 2025, I believe. Don't know yet how many of these cast members are going to continue on and come back, so we'll, we'll have to see. Well, it but, depends on if this movie is a bomb. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But that the, the next one is already in pre-production yeah. or whatever. So, again, yeah, mediocre, decidedly mediocre in a franchise that, except for part two, all have been, you've got great, you've got masterpiece, and you've got okay, yeah. and this one is just, yeah, okay. Yeah. It's definitely got some frights. Uh, and that is in theaters now called The Exorcist Believer. Let's stay with horror, but add some laughs. And this one is on VOD. When the infamous Sweet 16 killer returns 35 years after his first murder spree to claim another victim, 17-year-old Jamie accidentally travels back in time to 1987, determined to stop the killer before he can start. It's totally killer. (laughs) Hate time travel movies. They never make any sense. 
Happy Halloween. How about we all stay in and hand out Halloween candy? No, Mom. You know how hard this time of year is for us. Your friends were murdered 35 years ago. It's not 1987 anymore. Stay safe, honey. I love you. <sighs> what the fuck? <laughs> Excuse me. What year is it? 1987. Oh, my God. I know. The 80s are almost over, and I haven't even tried Coke yet. <laughs> you have seven and a half hours until you're stuck here forever. I need to stop all this horror before it happens. The machines kill us all? No. They more just rip apart the fabric of our society via dance videos on TikTok. They use dance against us? Well, yes, this is a horror comedy, but it is bloody, and it is foul-mouthed. It is. Uh, and if you don't have a problem with that, and we certainly don't, you are going to have a blast with this movie. I thought it was just a hoot, and it stars Kiernan Shipka. She is great in this. You, you might She's been around for a while. You might remember her from a lot of things, all the way back to the, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Mm-hmm. Not Sabrina the Teenage Witch, mm-hmm. but then the next one. Mm-hmm. We, we didn't watch that, obviously. But you might know her from The Black Coat's Daughter. That's, That's where I we know her, her yeah. from. Yeah. But she's been in a lot of things since she was very young. And she gives a terrific performance here as Jamie. And she is a, a, a typical teenager. You know, she scoffs at her mom, especially around this time of year, Halloween, because her mom, played by Julie Bowen from Modern Family, uh, her mom this time of year gets very skittish and wants her to be careful and all these uh, admonishments about, uh, you know, making sure you're safe. And that's because back in 1987, three of her mom's high school friends were murdered by this sweet 16 killer. We get a podcast host that kind of fills in the details. He's still, you know, trying to track down clues and everything about the identity of this sweet 16 killer. And wouldn't you know it? Jamie's best friend is a science nerd who gets this gets together all these bits of technology in a photo booth and creates a photo booth time machine, not a hot tub, a time machine. <laughs> and next thing you know, Jamie steps into it and steps out into 1987, right back where she is trying to infiltrate her teen mom's clique of sort of mean girls, queen bees called the Mollies because they love Molly Ringwald and stop these murders from happening before they do. The easiest way to describe it is a mashup of Back to the Future and Scream, but you, you want to throw in Happy Death Day in there. It makes references to everything from, from Disney Channel Originals to Ace Ventura, and just on and on and on. You have so many of these little wink-winks, and the movie knows it, and name drops, especially Back to the Future, and it's just it's a ton of fun, not only the nostalgia for the 80s, but for all these different movies. It makes fun of time travel movies and just on and on and on. And it gets pretty stabby. It does. <laughs> there's no doubt about it. And there's lot there's lots of sex references, too, because it's it's so great how Kiernan Shipka creates this character of just being very determined to create her mission. But at the same time, she can't help but point out the differences from her generation to going back to the 80s. Like, she's like, hey, inappropriate touching, and <laughs> your T-shirt is problematic, and just things like that. And she can't understand the lack of Wi-Fi. And then, of course, when she sees her future parents getting handsy, ah, uh, you know, that's the sort of stuff is just hilarious. So it's just a fun, fun ride, I thought. And it's uh, I think this is one that people will will really have a good time with uh, because it, it 
provides the laughs. It does provide the the blood as mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. and just an all around sense of fun and some great performances and just a darn good time for this time of year. And it's streaming now. It is called Totally Killer. I should give the credit to the director, Nanachka Khan. Hope I pronounced that right. And then the team of writers, most of them from TV, a lot of TV work. But this is a this is a nice uh, jump to some features. And uh, check it out. I bet you'll have fun with it. It's on uh, Prime now. It's called Totally Killer. Let's go back to theater. Is not only another horror film, but another possession horror film. In a remote village, two brothers find a demon-infected man just about to give birth to evil itself. They decide to get rid of the man, but merely succeed in helping him to deliver the inferno. It's called When Evil Lurks. This will be on Shutter in a few weeks, so if it is not playing in a theater near you, uh, you can get Shutter because this is a movie. If you're a horror fan, it is just spectacular, um, and it's an interesting take on possession. It's a take on possession I've never seen, and I almost guarantee that you have not seen as many possession movies as I have. <laughs> uh, it is, it's so, I mean, fresh is the word that I want to say, although it, y- the movie almost smells bad while you're watching it. <laughs> so the, the possessed individual, they refer to, this is a Chilean film, and they refer to this as the rotten. There's a rotten. That's how they refer to these the this possessed individual. And boy, howdy, that is the word that you'll think of when you first see the, the possessed boy. Um, and then, you know, it's just, it, it's a, a couple of like middle-aged brothers and they have a farm. They're kind of out in the mountains and they hear gunshots. And when they go out to find what happened, it's kind of, uh, they find what's left of a body uh, in, in, in between their property, Ruiz, who doesn't like one of the brothers, and then Mary Elena, the nice lady who lives up the hill. And they try to kind of figure out where was this dead body going. They think that the dead body was going to Mary Elena's. So that's where they find the rotten, and they realize things are things are problematic for the entire place. And the movie, it's interesting because the heroes make a lot of bad decisions, make a lot of just stupid, selfish decisions, and the, the weirder things get, the more frustrated they get, which seems realistic. You just would. And then they, especially the, the the main character, kind of falls back on just anger. He's, you know, and that's just as a rule, the worst sensibility to take when you make any decision. And so basically things just devolve. It's a very unusual film. It is a great movie if you like horror films. This is the one to seek out. This is the one. And this is in theaters now, and it's called When Evil Lurks. Next up is a short film in theaters now, the latest from Pedro Almodovar. After 25 years, Silva rides a horse across the desert to visit his friend Sheriff Jake. They celebrate the meeting, but the next morning, Jake tells him that the reason for his trip is not to go down the memory lane of their friendship. It's called Strange Way of Life. Get up, Joe! What are you doing? You never loved me. You never loved anyone in your life. Don't say that. Years ago, you asked me what two men could do living together on a ranch. I'll answer you now. 
It's an unusual title. It is. Yeah. Um, and it is a short film, and it's playing in theaters. Most of the time, you're going to see it paired up with another Almodovar short from a couple of years ago mm-hmm. called Human Voice. It's with Tilda Swinton, and yeah. that's great. It is great. So it's a, it's a fantastic pairing up of these two short films. And I thought this was just, it, it, was, it was beautiful, it was interesting, and it's a short film that immediately, I think for both of us, sort of made us a little sad that it's not a feature yeah. because I was interested in yeah. where the story was going to go next, mm-hmm. even though it was a nice way to end it. Yeah, it, I mean, it's a perfect standalone film, and it's one of those movies where you don't want it to end. Yeah. Peter Pascal is just great yep, Pedro, in this movie. Yeah, Pedro uh, and Ethan, Ethan Hawke Hawk. is Sheriff Jake, uh, and it's a Western, and they have... They have history between them, and there's a murder, and then there's affairs going on. There's all these things that we learn about in this short 30 minutes that feels like 15. I mean, when it was over, I thought, oh, man, is, is it over already? Yeah. I was really caught up in it. Oh, yeah, the absolutely. The performances are really good. It looks fantastic. I love the score as well. Um, oh, yeah. Every, everything about it is just really sets a mood and tells a story and introduces and gets us introduces interesting characters and gets us invested in them in a short amount of time and that's what really good storytellers like Almodovar do. Yeah. And uh yeah, I thought this was great. And if you haven't seen The Human Voice, totally different. Oh yeah. Couldn't totally be more different, different. But but also magnificent. Yeah. And it's, you know, and a showcase for Tilda Swinton, which is always, always a plus. Always always a plus. So, yeah, seek these out, especially if you like good short films that don't Boy, they don't they don't feel like any time has elapsed at all. Uh, these will be paired up in theaters in select theaters uh, starting this weekend. Very much worthwhile. This one's called Strange Way of Life. Well, let's go to Shudder, unveiled through a made-for-TV documentary. This is five tales of found footage horror emerging to take viewers on a terrifying journey into the grim underbelly of the 1980s. This is VHS 85. So, uh... Why don't you just tell us where you got these videotapes from? Just tell us what they are. We bought a video recorder. And that's when I had the first nightmare. I don't think that you know what you're dealing with. Give me that camera. I started seeing these images. I recognized them. Recognize them from where? Wanna tell me what's on this one? Whoa! that beta yep nice where did you get those tapes you saw what's on them so you compare this with totally killer yeah all about the 80s yeah huge horror nostalgia fest so how many vhs episodes are we up to now i think this is the sixth okay Um, it could possibly be the fifth but i think it's the sixth and, you know, if you're familiar with any of these, they started back in the early 2000s. They're, they're short films. It's a collection of short films, always found footage. And um, the last few have been set in the 1990s. This one takes us back to the 80s. And so it's mainly actually um, like documentary footage or security camera footage or like those big carry around camcorder <laughs> sort of things. So they stretch the uh, the found footage a little bit for this, but they are, for the most part, really, really good. I mean, this is my favorite episode of this in quite a while. The films themselves, the short films themselves, are very um, entertaining and unusual. There's, of course, a wraparound, which is always hard, but part of the reason these are so good is that these are some great filmmakers. So um, 
Bruckner, David Bruckner, yeah, does the wraparound. Uh, who just did Hellraiser? Um, you know, the ritual. Yeah, he's he's just an excellent horror film. And also Scott Derrickson. Yes. he has an episode, and he I don't know if you've seen this. He has since come out and said that yes, his his installment lives in the same universe as the Black Phone. Yes, and that's interesting actually to me. But it, the the point is that it's they're, they're all of them really quite good. I mean, a couple of them um, are. You know, you always get the hit or miss, and there's always good. If you're going to see five five short films together, yeah. some, one of them is going to be the fifth best one. Mm-hmm. But none of them are bad. All of them are interesting. A couple of them are great. One of them has a goth kid, which is my favorite <laughs> thing about the '80s. You know, some of them are are especially the Derricksons really mean, yeah. like mean. Yeah. And then there's another one where you think it's over, and the, and it's clever, and it's clever, but it. Two films later, you come back to it. Uh-huh. So so you've got a, a traditional wraparound, which also is very quite clever. And then you've got another one where you think, oh, it's Cabin in the Woods Horror, and then all of a sudden, blah, 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 it's nothing else. It's something else. <laughs> so it's it's highly entertaining. And and for me, again, I I think it is my favorite of the series. Yeah, and that's good. Always always good when they get better. This is on Shudder, latest VHS. It's VHS 85 out now. Next, let's go to the first of two from Netflix. Tom Nichols is a hardened New England detective, unflinching in his pursuit of a case where nothing is as it seems, and it begins to dismantle the illusions in his own life. This is called Reptile. Who do we like from this? I'll go with the boyfriend. I got the friend. I'll take the weirdo. I'm going with the ex-husband. Am I a suspect? Everyone is a suspect. Tell me what's going on. You gotta think about your future. You can't be a cop forever. Can you keep a secret? I'll tell you the secret. But first, I'm gonna need you to do something for me. So this one stars, but also is co-written by the great Benicio Del Toro. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember him ever getting a co-writing credit before, but yeah, good on him. And it's also co-written by Grant Singer, who also directs. And he's had a a long history of music videos. Right. Not sure this is his first feature, but it's one of the few. Gone from a lot of a lot of music videos. And this is well constructed. It's well put together. You're, you'll certainly recognize some of his influences. Mm-hmm. I mean, this movie is very Fincher in spots. It's very Scorsese in spots, especially with the soundtrack choices mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. placement. But it's 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 well put together. It gets a little convoluted, but the the performances for the most part are good, and it's a really good part for Del Toro. Yes, um, and and of course he he just owns it because he's such a great actor. He's so good. And, you know, I like the way the camera treats him. I mean, it's always just getting closer and closer and closer to his face, and you can never quite read his face. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he plays detective Alicia Silverstone, who's having quite a renaissance. Yeah, it's you good know, to see. She's got a great part, and they're, uh, they're a married couple. They've been married for a long time, clearly. And that's one of the things I liked about the movie is that it is they have a very lived-in relationship. They do. They're a yeah. little quirky. They're a little odd. The, the oddities aren't aren't explained or teased like, out like people are exactly yeah but it, it's not the usual thing like where they're they're 
relationship is frayed and she doesn't understand him no. and it's just a, a thankless role. Right, no. You get little bits that he he really wants this certain type of faucet in his home. Yeah. Just these types of things. And that- also that, you know, he'll he'll kind of share some insights that he has with her mm-hmm. and then you get the backstories that, well, maybe it's because of the police precinct that he came from before. Uh, you know, not always the cops are great to talk with. And, right. And it's, there is backstory. I think there's a lot about the writing that I appreciate that they don't really lay things out for you because because that's sort of inappropriate storytelling. That's not the way the world would sort of transpire. And so I like the way they shared information. I like the way the film shared information. But at the same time, that in that it is a, a like a, a crime thriller, there are too many things that were quite obvious that yeah. surely a grizzled detective yeah. would have picked up on because... I, not grizzled nor a detective and kind of a bit of a dumbass, I am I picked it up. Yeah, there are certain things like that. The case revolves around Justin Timberlake and his girlfriend. They basically flip houses for Justin Timberlake's mom, played by Frances Fisher, mm-hmm. uh, at this big firm. And he goes to meet her at one of the houses that they're going to show and finds her in a bloody mess on the floor with a knife still stuck in her, dead. So that's the case that uh, Del Toro is investigating. And they, you know, he's back at the precinct and they all take bets on who they think did it. You've got not only Justin Timberlake, but you've got an ex-husband who actually the girlfriend is technically still married to. He's a suspect. There's this other guy, weird guy floating around, played by Michael Pitt. I love him. Who uh, monitors police scanners and knows really too much about the detectives. He might be a a, a suspect. So what's really going on here? And it it does get a, a little bit convoluted. And when it finally does get to the end it's not maybe as earth shattering as the movie thinks it is mm-hmm. but it's a solid thriller yeah uh and if you like these types of movies this this will definitely fit the bill and especially if you already have netflix right. it's solid i oh, think yeah. it'll be satisfying we enjoyed it yeah yeah definitely so and it's called reptile on netflix now and one more on netflix an unexpected promotion at a cutthroat hedge fund pushes a young couple's relationship to the brink threatening to unravel far more than their recent engagement. This is called Fair Play. Can I buy you another? Now that you're making more money than me? <laughs> oh. What are you doing? You know it's just a game. You play it very well. Are you going to pitch me to Campbell? I don't think it's a good idea. We both can't keep working here. I'm not quitting. This firm has become my religion. You have become my god. You give me this opportunity, I will give you everything I got. Are you out of your mind? You're gonna end our relationship by setting off a bomb. We all do filthy things, but we don't trick it back into the office. Why is it so hard to accept that I deserve that job? I never got the shot! Ah! job it's killing us brandon thomas reviewed this one for us at madwolf.com and i think one of the most interesting things about this movie which is about a couple who are hiding their engagement they're hiding their relationship um from the office they're they're uh hedge fund brokers i always think i always think it's funny when people think they can do that right you can hide your relationship you can't you but can't do it. The point is they're hiding it because it's frowned upon. And we see during the course of the film why it is frowned upon. Because when their boss gets fired, everybody thinks that Alden Ehrenreich. Ehrenreich is going to get the job. But in fact, it is his fiance who gets the job. And she's played by Phoebe Dynever. And 
since nobody knows that they're a couple, then he has to listen to all of the gossip of, oh, I wonder what she's doing to get the job. Right. And then, of course, it starts to wear on him. And, of course, he is pissed off because he thought he was going to get it. And so... And usually, um, as Brandon points out, when you, there's a lot of movies that sort of touch on gender politics, going back to even nine to five. But oh, yeah. this movie sticks it out with these two people and really watches the wear and tear so that it can, it can really fully explore what it means. And part of the reason that I think this is the focus is because it is a woman filmmaker. So it's not right. somebody who can just sort of gloss over it and toss it aside. It has a bigger effect on women than it does on men. Yeah, but, yeah. It's, uh, Chloe Dumont is the uh, writer director, and the performances are great. Performances are great. It also has a very surprising finale. Let's yeah, put it that way. Yeah, not not in keeping with the first two acts, with really character study of the mm-hmm. first two acts. It feels a little bit more, as Brandon says, like something Michael Douglas would have started in the nineties. Like it just <laughs> pivots all of a sudden. No, it's a mystery thriller. Wait, yeah. what is it? Yeah. So that. That really is a detriment. I mean, it, that's a weakness of the film, but on the whole, it's still very worth watching. Yeah, so a couple of good, a couple of good thrillers uh, debuting on Netflix right now and worth checking out. And this one is called Fair Play, and you can check out Brandon's full review at MadWolf.com. A documentary next, now in theaters. A secret grassroots organization persistently fights to expand access to abortion pills across the USA, keeping hope alive during a global pandemic and the fall of Roe v. Wade. This is called Plan C. It's like we're running a drug cartel in order to help people. A lot of our work is in letting people know that the supplies that we send, they could get arrested for them. And when you hold those packages... Feels like a revolution. So let's keep moving on more states, more patients, more doctors. I feel like the Wizard of Oz or something because I'm still behind everything. Our biggest goal is to get the word out about access in the red states. Station a police officer at my mailbox. I dare you. We are not going to become more quiet. We're going to become louder. Rachel Willis reviewed this one for us at MadWolf.com. Loved it. Loved it. Yeah, this is director Tracy Draws Tragos. Again, hope I pronounced that right. (laughs) Shedding light on some very important work being done in some very troubling times for this issue. Yeah, it's it's you know, it's it's a great call to action kind of a documentary about reproductive rights and about standing up to bullies. It is it's very informative. It gives you a sense of what you can do. It's absolutely worth watching. So check it out if you can. It's in theaters now. Yeah, especially if you're in a state as we are in Mm -hmm. Ohio, who's Mm -hmm. just about to vote on this right uh, here in a few weeks. Yeah. In theaters now, Plan C and Rachel's review is on MadWolf.com. Got two more on VOD. This is more horror mystery thriller stuff. A malevolent being known as the Jester terrorizes the inhabitants of a small town on Halloween night, including two estranged sisters who must come together to find a way to defeat this evil entity. It's the Jester. I have hated this man my entire life. I know you know what you did to cover up for something inside your gut. It is festering, gnawing at you. I know you can feel it and try to bury it. But that rot is spreading, a decaying hole swallowing your heart. Ma'am, there's blood on you. Is it yours? I never really believed in ghosts. This is one that I think could have been a great short. Um, And it looks to me, in a lot of ways, like it was a short that Mm -hmm. was expanded with a B story. 
Um, and the open, I mean, it's the opening is gorgeous. It's really beautifully shot in parts. And it is about this uh, non-speaking, just villainous, kind of a cross between, you know, the clown from Terrifier and with maybe sort of the mask from uh, the black phone. Yes, right? that's what it reminded me of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he shows up and terrible things happen and it, it winds up looking looking like suicide when he shows up. And uh, and so nobody realizes that it was him. And, and he's now he's moved on from one character to the next and is haunting her. And what is she going to do? And um, there are there are moments that are quite that are quite interesting. And it mainly looks very good. Uh, about a half of the cast is quite bad. Like, you know, the, the two main performances are solid, but but then the, sort of the, the second main, the second sister and her group of friends, they're bad. Their dialogue is is poorly written. So uh, half the movie is definitely didn't get the attention of the main part, which, again, felt like a short that was expanded. I'd like to give it a pass. But then in the end, I don't think the it's a metaphor. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that the two you, when you do a metaphor film the reality of the film has to also work, and in the end, it does not. Yeah, and that is, well, director, the co-writer and director is Colin Krawchuk, and that is on VOD now called The Jester. And finally, a horror comedy set in a sleepy mountain town where Cindy's parents are murdered and her Christmas is stolen by a bloodthirsty green figure in a red Santa suit. It's The Mean One. Us folks down in Newville, we liked Christmas a lot. But that thing that lives just north of Newville does not. What is it? The mean one. He's slippery. He's elusive. He's a mean one, that mister. I'm not going to be a victim anymore. Time to roast this beast. (laughs) You're a dead one, mister. Cindy who? Yes, yeah, Cindy Lou. It pains me to say it because I was really looking forward to this. I know you I were. I thought there was a lot of opportunity for fun here. And there is. There should be. But it's not. It's not fun. The most fun you'll find is the the clever ways they get around saying either, either the Grinch or Dr. Seuss. Because obviously there are some trademark issues mm-hmm. at work here. Mm-hmm. They're not in New or Whoville. They're in Newville. Mm-hmm. And they find ways to say it without saying it. I give them credit for that and I, and I chuckled. But other, everything else. It's bad. It's like when uh, Pooh, Blood and Honey yeah. came out. And of course, they could come right out and call it Pooh because yeah, it's the public domain. It's public domain, yeah. and yet they did nothing Pooh-like. Yeah. Like they 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 didn't mine that property at all. And this one kind of mines a property, but just doesn't have a story to tell. No, and, and just and all the elements are are just are just weak. Uh, we should say though, for fans of the Terrifier franchise, David Howard Thornton, who plays the clown. Yep. Uh, also plays the mean one. Yep. Uh, I can't say the Grinch, but I'll say it, the Grinch, <laughs> in this one. But really disappointed. I was looking forward to some fun. Uh, but if you want this kind of fun, go to Totally Killer. That's and right. you'll find it. We'll not find it with the mean one out on VOD now. All right, where are we going? Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Lobby time, that means schlocketeer time, a.k.a. Daniel Baldwin. Or is it the other way around? Is it Daniel Baldwin, <laughs> a.k.a. schlocketeer? I don't know. They just blur. The point is, we're getting up to date on the news and notes with Daniel. Hey there. Hey. Well, uh, first up, all four of Wes Anderson's Roald Dahl short film adaptations are now available to stream on Netflix. Uh, the combined running time is only about 90 minutes, so you can watch them separate or all at once if you want. And they're delightful. They are. 
And there will be another Regal Mystery Movie Monday on October 9th uh, with a new film being screened early for anyone who attends at their local Regal. Um, as always, the film being shown is secret. You're not going to know what it is until it starts playing. But this one is R-rated this time, so keep that in mind if you sometimes take your kids to these. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been getting bigger and bigger stuff. The last two movies they did were It Lives Inside and Dumb Money. So it's not just uh, yeah. streaming and indie films anymore. Okay. And then Expendables 4 will hit premium VOD on October 13th. So, you know, you can pair that up with your Taylor Swift concert experience. <laughs> <laughs> and then Saw X will follow on October 20th on premium VOD as well, just in time for Halloween. Oh, of course. That's a quick turnaround. Yeah, it is. And then coming right after Halloween on November 1st is a limited theatrical re-release of Terrifier 2 that will apparently be accompanied by an exclusive two-minute teaser for next year's Terrifier 3. So any big fans of that one might want to set their alarms or calendar dates or whatever and make sure they get to that one because that teaser will apparently not end up online unless someone bootlegs it, of course. Yeah, there's, (laughs) you know, we're not big fans of that franchise, but boy, we know there are a lot of big fans out there. Yeah. And then on Premium VOD on November 3rd will be Michael Jai White's Outlaw Johnny Black and Shudder's Christmas Slasher, It's a Wonderful Knife. Bonus points on that title. <laughs> um, <laughs> that that sucker is coming to theaters on November 10th, courtesy of RLJE Films. Um, it's a pairing of the director of Tragedy Girls with the writer of Freaky, so that'll definitely be one to yes look out for. Yes, and please. Yeah. <laughs> It's described as a mashup of Scream and It's a Wonderful Life, so that sounds pretty fun to me. It does indeed. Um, it does not have a Shutter streaming release date yet, but since it is a Christmas movie, I'll be really surprised if it's not on there by late December. Back to concert films, Beyonce's Renaissance, which is a part concert film, part visual album, and part documentary, will hit theaters on December 1st, so she's following Swift's lead. Oh, yeah. And then on January 12th, we've got a pair of new action movies to close out our little discussion this week. The first will be a VOD and limited theatrical release of a movie called Lights Out, which stars Scott Atkins, Jamie King, Dermot Mulroney, and because it is a direct-to-video action movie, Frank Grillo is in it too. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a law at this point. (laughs) And then also on January 12th in theaters will be David Ayer's action film, The Beekeeper, which stars Jason Statham, Josh Hutcherson, and Jeremy Irons. The trailer for that dropped the other day, and it looks pretty wild. looks like something more akin to Statham's earlier stuff, like Transporter and Safe. Less battling cars and CGI monsters and more just pairing people up with martial arts. Yep, just saw that trailer yesterday, yeah. Well, that sounds fun also, Jeremy Irons, yes. Yeah, Jeremy Irons. Yes, always. All right. You can always uh, catch the latest news with Daniel at the Schlocketeer on the socials. Thank you again. Oh, thanks for having me, as always. Before we get to what's uh, opening next week, hey, how about a scary book, scary <laughs> read for this Halloween season? We love the scary movies. By all means, fire them up. But if you want a nice little scary read, how about Hope's debut novel, Roost, which is available now? You can get it on Amazon, or you can get it from our website, madwolf.com. Go to the store, and it is a story about satanic panic in the 1980s and twin sisters who were born on Easter, and they, uh, every few years when their birthday falls on Easter again, people in the town die. What is that about? All about the 80s this episode. I know it. Love it. But yeah, Roost, that is out now. And also, if you like audiobooks, hey, there's an audiobook available as well. Who reads it? Oh, some guy. (laughs) 
<laughs> is it you? It is me. So check it out. Whichever whichever platform you'd like, Roost, and uh, I think you'll appreciate it, especially the ending. I think everyone we've talked to, nobody saw that coming. No. So let's see if you do, and let us know. <laughs> and by all means, the movie's still out there, too. Obstacle Corpse yeah. is available now on Prime and on Voodoo. Right. And coming soon, we understand, to Tubi. Right. So if you find it on Tubi, let us know about that as well. (laughs) (laughs) All right, looking ahead to next week, yes, Taylor Swift, the uh, concert film, the Eras concert film is out. I do not think we're going to get a chance to see that early because what do they care? They don't have to let us see it. (laughs) (laughs) No, they don't care. They don't don't care. Anyway, uh, She Came to Me, that is coming out next week. Yeah, The Burial. Also, Mr. Organ. Mami Wata. Joan Baez, I Am Noise. Heard. Fifteen Cameras. The Puppet Man. Road Dance. And Ice Mayor. All right, all that is next week. But boy, a lot to talk about this week. So let us know, especially with The Exorcist, Believer, and all the other horror films out, both in theaters and uh, for streaming this week. Yeah, a lot to check out. Let us know what you think, what you like, what you didn't like. You can always find us easily on Twitter. That's at Mad Wolf. Also on Facebook and Instagram, it's Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website with all of our written reviews and our other horror movie-only podcast called Fright Club. That can all be found at madwolf.com. So, hey, keep enjoying spooky season. We'll talk next week. And until then, she's Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. 